This is President Sullivan, and I appreciate being a part of the Back Pocket Podcast. Today is July 17th, and the boys from the Back Pocket are back. And, you know, we always start the podcast the same way, describing how Deck and I are average while going through the best of podcast and editing it and putting in new segments and whatnot. I realized I start the podcast the same way and let everyone know that we are back. So that's my intro is wildly average. Just saying the boys from the back pocket are, are back. back. And it's, you know, it makes sense. We're a once a week podcast. So, you know, you kind of forget about us after uh, six days. And then so we are reaffirming, reaffirming every week that we are back. Yes. And that's a great point that you bring up uh, because this is our sixth consecutive time or six consecutive podcasts that we are back. So Six weeks in a row. Pretty yeah, impressive. Unbelievable. When we first started this podcast, um, if you go back and look at the stats, we were probably putting out uh, once every two weeks, and then there was a time where uh, things started to slip and we didn't do one for like an entire month. Yeah. And then, But now things are going well. We're on our 15th podcast. Who would have thought? I didn't think we were going to get this far, but we're plugging along, and we got a spectacular guest. Coach Jones, Coach Marcus Jones. Ex-Minnesota Gopher player and current St. Thomas strength coach and cornerbacks coach. Absolute stud. Uh, we'll get to that a little later. Um, however, uh, this week, so we're recording on Thursday, um, Andrew will be gone this weekend. Andrew, where will you be? I will be back in my hometown of Mount Prospect, going home for the weekend, seeing the parents. Just the parents, or is it the... I thought it was the Inserabachi tournament. It is the Inserabachi tournament at my grandma's house at four five five Stewart in Park Ridge, <laughs> Illinois. We'll we'll bleep that. Why not, dude? You want everyone showing up to the Inserabachi? It's going to be released on Monday, but oh, yeah. if everyone comes, that'd be I sweet. Get more marketing. Interns. That would be sweet. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> nothing better to show your grandma than all your listeners and marketing interns. Yeah, that'd be a great great thing. So, um, I guess uh, going off that, how what? is bocce first of all i know what it is but for our listeners who don't know what bocce is um maybe we go into that a little bit and then uh how do you play and you know what's how how do the inceras play yeah well origins of bocce uh italian Mm -hmm. it's an italian sport right and each there's teams of two no teams of four um and you play against so it's two v two on each side um and you got four balls and a polling the polling, you throw one team begins the round by throwing the polling out into the middle of the grass, the open field, and um, it's a little white ball. And then each team has a chance of throwing their four balls closest to the polling. And the closest ball, bocce ball to the polling, you get a point. So if you have two bocce balls close to the polling for your team, then closer than any other team, That's then you get two points. points. Okay. Uh, so it's a very intense game because you're trying to hit uh, it's kind of similar to uh, shuffleboard um where you can hit other people's balls out of the way to get yours closer and uh it's very deep in the Insera heritage obviously being italian uh, everyone's very passionate about it the majority of the players will take their shoes off during the game mm. um to walk the grass to feel where the lumps are because not our playing field isn't perfectly even as most backyards nothing, are nothing nothing's perfect it's a life game it's a life game People yeah forget that so. Um, so we walk. You walk the course beforehand, and you realize, okay, that bumps over here on the left side. So when the polling's over there, you got to be careful over here because it, 
the bocce ball could hit that bump and kick right, and then your your throws off. Yeah, then you look like an idiot. You look like an idiot. So your your shoes are always off, and then you stay low to the ground. None of those aerial shots where you shoot them really high and you try to plunk them in. No, your hands basically touching the ground. You get a little shake beforehand, and we'll we'll throw. It's ease almost it on. yeah, ease it on. Very right similar to shuffleboard or. Yes. Uh, Curling. That's Curling. Yep. Okay. It's very. Fin- it's a finesse game. Okay, I like that a lot. Um, so is there like a, so who like who goes first? Is there like an eye to eye like beer pong type thing or what's the? Uh, what's we the call it mora. That? Mora. Yep. Right. And it's basically like a rock paper scissors type thing. Okay. Um, you have the the team captain on the other team, and you're, you're say I'm the team captain and you're the team captain, right? Sure. So it's a numbers game. You have to pick a number, 1 through 10, and try to equal that number between the two hands. So if you if you say you think your two hands are going to equal 6, you're going to want to try to throw a 3. Hopefully the other person throws a 3, and then you that's 6. And then that, if you if you got that right, then you get to throw first. Okay. If, say, I, if you were going for 7... But do you say... Well, so you say hot. in Italian. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then you, you scream it, too. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Can we can we do a little bad podcasting right now? A little bad podcasting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so we we throw it down. You don't know Italian, so you, so, you know yeah, Spanish. Let's, let's do Spanish. Well, let's review the Italian uh, language, which okay. is Spanish. So, like you said, let's just go ahead and use Spanish. It's numbers. very similar to Spanish. Well, yes. it, it's Spanish, so it's Italian. It, it's Italian, but it's Spanish. Okay. <laughs> I'll concede on that one. Yeah. Okay. We'll do Spanish. Though. Okay, Spanish, because we don't know Italian. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ready? Uh, we got five because AI threw a two and I threw a three. So no one won that one. We'll play another round. See go. What'd you get? I threw four. I threw. Th- I, oh, you got it. I got it. Edible. Because AI threw a four. I threw a three. And if you didn't hear what I said, I said siete. And that's seven in Spanish and Italian. So I won. Congratulations. You will now throw first. And you have the polling. And I have the pulley in the hand, and I'm going to get a little shake and a toss, but I have to walk the course first without my shoes on. Correct. That way I don't look like an idiot when I'm throwing the ball and it bounces right. So yes. that was uh, our first uh, ever bocce ball Italian language uh, get to know the Insera family segment. So, absolutely. Awesome. Hope you enjoy. Well, absolutely. Well, let's get into uh, a little bit of something that happened in my life a little recently. Well, before we get into something oh. sad, let's keep it lighthearted. Maybe okay. a joke. Oh, Okay, so yeah, we're doing a new, thanks for reminding me, we're doing a little new segment here. Um, maybe we add a laugh track. I know Andrew doesn't like laugh tracks, but I think for, uh, you know, satirical purposes, we do a laugh track after my stupid joke. The so, only reason I don't like laugh, laugh tracks is because when I used to watch it with my grandpa on my mom's side, BB, he'd always say, "Turn the ch- change the channel, I can't listen to a laugh track. So now I'm like forever tarnished with laugh tracks. Well, I... I'm I'm by no means the Disney Channel uh, laugh track sitcom guy yeah. by any means, um, but I think in our sit- setting as a podcast, I think it might be funny. We'll we'll give it a. We don't have to do it. We, we may do it. Who knows? We'll figure it out. You'll find out. We'll you'll find out. Listen so, more to find out. Yeah. Okay. So here here's my first joke. Here, um, how many tickles does it take to tickle an octopus? Tentacles. Ooh. Ooh. You want another one? Um, next week. Next week. Find okay. out more. Find out next week. Gotta keep listening. All right. Sorry, a little interjection there. Trapping the puck, though. Gonna get to uh, my story. Uh, happened this past Wednesday. 
um, for all those who are keeping track. Uh, what happened was, so I work at the airport, Terminal 1, um, broke news the other day. Um, so I'm just sitting at work, you know, on the third floor and of the hotel, because that's where I work. It's right next to the airport as people are going in and out. And all of a sudden, I hear this super loud boom. And uh, it was like a, a loud boom. I couldn't really simulate, but it was loud. Did you see Jack? Like, was it a hijack? Ooh, see, that's another thing. We can't say, that's another thing about the airport is you can't say hijack or you can't say hi, Jack, yeah. to your friend Jack. So, mm-hmm. Or bomb. But there's a loud noise yeah. right outside. And so we're like, oh, what it the hell's going on? It wasn't the B on? word, though. Yeah, no, wasn't the B word, wasn't, anyways. Okay. So I, you know, I turn around and I'm going down to, I turn around and look over the edge of where the sound was coming from. And I see this freaking uh, dump truck uh, over on its side on the other side of the cement barrier and it's still moving and there's like mass amounts of people that just like got out of their car in the middle of traffic and are running towards this truck and I'm like what the hell is going on hell we'll cut that um so I so I'm like freaking out and what happened was was this dump truck for all those uh listeners who are in construction um this guy had it was actually a flatbed but it works the same concept as a dump truck so his back end lifted up and he left he actually he was on a different site and he was coming off but unloading something and he was coming back and he forgot to put his boom down and so his boom is sitting up and he's driving and there was a bridge and he drove under the bridge and his boom was still up and it hit the under part of the bridge and flipped his truck up and over on the other side and this driver was not wearing a seatbelt and was on the phone and he got as his truck hit the the bridge, or his boom hit the bridge, he flew out of the window, broke the window, came back in the truck, and then flew under or onto the passenger side and was like curled up in a ball. One of we have like three rescue firemen on our job. This, by the way, this accident had no affiliation with my company. Just wanted to make that notice because it was on a different job. But anyways, one of our guys who's a rescue fireman was luckily right there and ran over. He was the first guy there, opened up, so the car's on its side. He jumps up onto the um, driver's side and Slides opens it up. Passenger. Yeah, and opens it up, sees the guy, you know, his he had bit his lip really hard and it was, he was bleeding everywhere. And the truck was still going and it was like, if you leave the truck going like that, it's not a good thing. So he turned the truck off and then like asked if he was okay and called 911 immediately. Then it took like 911 or the emergency services to get, took them like 10 minutes to get there. By the time they got there, I mean, it took them about an hour just to get him out of where he was at the bottom of this truck. So they finally got him out. They had like pry open the windshield and or, or the car door, passenger side door and was a bunch he, of other like, stuff. Seriously and injured? So I'm not exactly sure what his injuries are. I've heard that he has a concussion. So if he was in the NFL, he'd be out for a few weeks, but we don't really know. Baseball would be on the seven-day DL. Baseball, DL, and then hockey would be, that would probably be considered a lower body injury. Lower body, for sure. Yeah, and then, you know, golf, six years to seven years. Basketball, Basketball. four or five years. Yeah, so it varies, but this is real life, not sports. Mm -hmm. Um, So we don't know. Um, But he he was um, responding when it happened, and everything was okay after that point and then they basically it was just a lot of traffic and they had to pick it up his truck and 
a bunch of other stuff. Um, anyways, wild. Just wild. And I had never seen anything like that. And I was just, like, I was rattled for the rest of the day. But uh, I guess one thing for our listeners to know is uh, always wear your seatbelt and don't text and drive. Or uh, be on your phone. And if you're driving a dump truck, put the boom down. Put the boom down. Yeah. That's simple. That's simple. So. That's uh, <laughs> that was that's uh, the curbside story of the day of the podcast. That was wild. That was insane. Yeah. Uh, trapping the puck and moving right along. You know, we are subscribed to Apple News and we get articles that pop up on our feed. And the article that popped up today is pretty relevant to us. Because it says, the title was, No Time for Podcasts, question mark. And <laughs> maybe you should read it, No Time for Podcasts? Ooh, good. Good use of your voice inflection. Uh-huh. Well, well played. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I have a radio voice, podcasting voice. Gotcha. I was using my bad podcasting skills uh, and adding the question mark. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Moving right along. Uh, they're telling us you got to crank up the speed of your podcasts. If you don't have time, and a lot of people are doing this, so that you have like those times two button where you fly, you can fly through an hour podcast in thirty minutes because you're going twice the speed. The voice is going twice as fast. Um, but we like to mention the back pocket encourages you to listen to as much as you'd like. Right. So um, you know, with an article like this on the Wall Street Journal, a very accredited, uh, I think, uh, news source um you know as podcasters we have to give out an official statement and you know kind of tell you what we uh would like you to do or our thoughts on it our hot takes so um for us the back pocket um our whole scheme is basically based off of um we're called the back pocket because we're always going to be there even if uh you don't have time for us we're just gonna be in your back pocket we're gonna be there always waiting and you know ready for you when you are so you don't necessarily need to rush through our podcast because you don't have enough time to listen to us in your day when it's okay if you, you know, take a few days to listen to our hour-long podcast. We would much rather have you listen to it as, uh, you know, us uh, authentic voices um, rather than uh, speed up um, Alfred and the Chipmunks' voices because, you know, our jokes don't land as well. Um, We actually might sound better. I really don't know. But either way, just... We would appreciate we we appreciate the, our listeners, and we would like you guys to do what you want to do. Um, with, just, yeah. And don't feel any pressure. There's a sense of authenticity in the timing of what, listening to it naturally, right? Where we go through our um, schedule of what we're going to talk about in a certain pace. So why don't our listeners enjoy that type of? Yeah, and and that pace is basically. Me and you talking and trying to multitask and figure out what the next thing we're supposed to talk about and then put that blended in nicely and try and move it to the next thing. And it's funny in the process because we don't know how to do that. Yeah, our transitions <laughs> are skeptical. We trap the puck several times throughout. Yeah, that's our outward. It's an, out, it's an outward. It's a safe word. Yeah. Outhouse, safe word. Mm-hmm. Safe word. So... Thank you, Wall Street Journal, for giving us that tidbit, but uh, as podcasters, I would not recommend listening to any podcast, for that matter, not just our own, in a speed fashion, right. because everyone's just doing it to for the enjoyment of themselves and just to give the world more knowledge, so why not just appreciate how it's yeah. being processed? So, so thank you, Wall Street, for uh, for forcing our hand there. Yeah. yeah. Mm. There's our statement. Yeah, absolutely. 
some statement there. Mm-hmm. I like that. Care about that. So that concludes our front end, and uh, we're going to kick it to our interview with Coach Marcus Jones. Which I, I do want to say one thing. Um, uh, for those who are that are listening to that will listen to this interview, pay attention to how many uh, really good questions I have. Um, every time I ask a question, basically, Coach Jones basically just goes, "Wow, that was." good question and like that was almost every time I asked a question and it most of them I thought off the top of my head but still they're to my knowledge really good questions so just pay attention to that good podcasting you know with that being said it's our best interview yet so enjoy I'd like to welcome former football player at the University of Minnesota and current strength and conditioning coach and corners coach here at the University of St. Thomas coach Marcus Jones Thanks for uh, coming here. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Phyllis. Yes. Uh, So we we like to ask the uh, question we always do with our guests. We start off, we're average podcasters, Mm -hmm. so we're going to ask, what makes you average? Do you have an average quality of yours? I would say my most average quality would probably be my people skills. People skills, okay. Um, I'm an introvert at heart, um, so people just rub me the wrong way most of the time. Yeah. So that's probably my most average quality in my people skills and communication skills. Okay. So this podcast might be a little, uh, a little difficult. Yeah, maybe. it gets a little awkward, just blame me. Yeah. That's probably what it is. Absolutely. That's okay. Are we uh, intimidating in any way? No, I'm not intimidated. Okay. Often, so I thought so. good on that. That's great. So uh, let's get into your football career. Um, you started out in... Uh, you're, well, were you, were you born in Wake Forest, North Carolina? Were you raised there your whole life? Born that... and raised in uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina. Awesome. Um, technically outside of city limits, so country boy. Awesome. At heart, yeah. Is that near, um, like, Chapel Hill or, or Charlotte? Um, it's closer to Raleigh. Raleigh, okay. okay. Um, like, North Raleigh is probably eight minutes from here. Okay. We're not um, geography majors by any means. Yeah. So. Well, we so, have a map here. So, so North Raleigh is probably yeah. eight minutes from me. Charlotte's pushing three hours. Chapel Hill is pushing 45 to an hour, depending on traffic. Okay. So if we go to, when we go to Salem this upcoming uh, December, is that, not? I don't think that's, that's Roanoke. Um, yeah, I've never really been to Salem, so yeah, okay. I can't call it. But sure. it, it, I've never had a reason to go there, so yeah. I wouldn't know. There wasn't, there's nothing there, so <laughs> it's not a surprise to me at all. Well, Andrew's got a lot of family in Charlotte, too. That's why yeah. I asked the question, so. One, one <laughs> Anyways, cousin. moving on, so you... Um, we're recruited to play for Northern Illinois yep. from Coach Jerry Kill, as uh, many people may not know. Mm-hmm. We do our research here at the back pocket. Um, and then once he got hired at Minnesota, you um, basically just committed there right away. Or you you ha- you were deciding between Vanderbilt, Minnesota, and what was your other school? There? Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois. Um, okay. I committed to Northern in June, um, 2010. Okay. Um, I took a visit. They had seen me through spring ball. Um, went on a visit there in June. They loved me. I loved it. Loved the coaching staff there. And um, in December, probably the week of the state championship game, uh, I found out Coach Kill was taking the Minnesota job. Um, so for about a week and a half, I hadn't heard much, like from anybody at all. So I got really nervous. Like, okay, I don't want to go to Northern. At the time, I think Dave Dorian had gotten a job. He was, like, at Wisconsin before. Okay. Um, and he had been in contact with me. The AD had called me from NIU, but I hadn't heard anything from Coach Kill. And then probably 
a week and a half went by and they called me and they're like, we want you to visit. So I visited um, not long after, either right before Christmas. I think it was right before Christmas. Um, I loved it. Uh, got home Monday, called and committed. And then like that, next week I got back in school, James Franklin was sitting in my coach's office like, there you go. you're interested in playing at Vanderbilt? I was like, actually, I just committed to University of Minnesota. So, um, I, I mean, both me and AI being in that recruiting process and you as, you as well, I mean, how we can both all kind of attest to how awful the recruiting process is um, just from a stress standpoint and also trying to focus on just living out your senior year mm-hmm. um, school-wise and football-wise. I mean, that's kind of the worst thing ever. So how was it trying to, like, how, how I like you said you were really nervous, but how what was kind of going through your head during that time, like right when you heard the news? Um, it's the feeling of uncertainty, right? You know, um, and there's so many there's so many other factors that played into that. For example, Northern Illinois played Minnesota early that year and beat them at at TCF Bank Stadium. So it was like um, I can go to a team who I know is going to be pretty successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, um, it was about having the trust of the coaches. Um, if I trust. I felt like if I trusted who I played for, it's easier to go and play um, as opposed to just going somewhere because they win. You won't necessarily have the respect for the coach or that coach may not have the respect for you. Um, and I thought it was pretty cool that they thought highly enough of me to want me to even take a visit to the University of Minnesota because it's not like I was that highly ranked of a player. Uh, pretty good, just not highly ranked in comparison to the other players I played against. Um, so it was scary for sure. Uh, because I was also graduating early, like mid-year. So I had like three weeks to figure it out, max, um, where I was going to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you graduated early and then played spring ball? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So for me, it was like I, I got to figure something out, but I also want it to be right. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole different feeling from when you end your season and then have till February or March or whatever it is to kind of figure it out. Yeah. So at Northern Illinois, was it that quarterback, um, that, that um, triple option quarterback, what was his name? Um, he plays oh. up in Canada now. Oh, I don't know his name. See uh, the Tim Tebow dude? Yeah, that Tim Tebow type player. So I think that Lynch. was the guy that ended up was beating the U of M. But then Lynch. Uh, no, Jordan, wasn't Lynch. Jordan Lynch at the time. They had a Chandler Harnish at the time. Okay. Um, who I think ended up getting like, signed by the Colts and backing up Andrew Luck or something for okay. a while. Um, Jordan Lynch was the quarterback immediately after him. Gotcha. Okay. So they so they still had some successful years after Kill left. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because they, they started to take a huge slide. Um, um, yeah, recently. Yeah, they were they were still pretty 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 solid team. I want to say um, the following year they went to maybe that 2011 year they went and played in the BCS Bowl and got killed. Who right. Yeah, and they got smoked. Yeah, smoke. yeah that, I think that was the following year. Yeah, okay. okay. So they were still a pretty good football team. Sweet. Um, I personally I love James Franklin. Mm-hmm. I loved him at like, Vanderbilt, and yep. now he's at Penn State. Coming him him coming in the door, he wasn't a big name yet, but could you just feel his presence of just. He knew you knew he could be a successful coach, and he's definitely um, a positive, energetic, and passionate person. And that was my first encounter with him. And again, it's like I'm walking down to my coach's office, and he's in the office. So yeah. it wasn't like I got to spend an hour with him. Sure. Um, later on, um, actually, my first time hearing Coach Caruso speak was at like a America's Football Coaches Association convention in 2015. I got invited as a future football coach um, through like some program, so it was free for me. But we did like a roundtable discussion, and James Franklin was one of the guys who did it, and I was just impressed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he's one of the guys that has a knowledge of people and the game uh, that's superior to most coaches. Sweet, um, and he's very personable, so it makes him a really cool guy. Yeah, it's awesome. So, so getting back into um, 
kind of your career, you were recruited as a receiver, correct? And then you played receiver for two years? Yeah, so at and Northern Illinois, I was supposed to be a cornerback. Okay. Um, the idea was I was going to come in as a corner and play. At the time when I committed to Northern Illinois, that's all I did was play corner. Okay. Senior year, um, I, one of our better running backs towards ACL, we were a wing team team, so we had three um, towards ACL. Um, so I had to then play both. Um, had a pretty solid year um, as a running back. Um, almost average, like nine or ten yards a carry. Um, so that's what people then was like, okay, he can play offense. So going to Minnesota, it's not ideal to have a five seven, hundred fifty pound corner, you know. So they were like, I think we need a jet sweep guy in this offense. We don't have any slot guys. So when I took the visit, Coach Kill told me he was like, if you come here, we're gonna put you at receiver first. He was like, we need a slot receiver, somebody with speed who can run jets, catch passes. I was like, Coach, I don't know if I can catch, but I'll try. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of what it was. So I played receiver uh, for a while. Um, Also did kick return and punt return. And um, after my two ACL injuries, receiver just, my tendonitis had gotten so bad to the point where it's like every other practice I had to leave early to go ice up. And I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Football isn't isn't worth going through this much pain, especially playing receiver. Right. So um, I asked him, could we make the switch back to DB after the 2012 bowl game? And he was like, yeah, go for it. Um, I trust you. So that's what you want to do, do it. Um, and it, was, it worked out a lot better for my health. I didn't play as much. I still did a kick time, proper time, but I enjoyed it. Um, pretty good defensive backfield. A couple of them are in the league now. So it's a fun time to like just learn, experience, and be around good football players. Absolutely. That's Um. So your time at U of M, there was a ton of adversity. You had to face changing positions right away. Uh-huh. And then, you, as you mentioned, those injuries. Yeah. Um, being us football players going into our senior year, you got any just like golden nuggets for us to finish strong and how you, how you handle that adversity of overcoming those ACLs and position changes? Oh, man. Uh, you just got to stay focused and rally around your teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, because you talk about those two pieces, those are just individual adversities for me. Um, you think um, April of 2012, um, one of our linebackers died, Gary Tinsley, um, really great guy, really good friend. Um, Coach Kill going through his ups and downs, and him being one of the people I trusted the most. So it was just a lot going on at all times. Um, then you think my daughter was born. So it was just, man, staying focused, remembering why I do what I do, and why I love football, and rallying around my teammates. Help me through all of it. Absolutely. Um, because those are the people at the end of the day that understand, you know. They understand why you wake up every morning at 5 to get there at 6. They understand why you put yourself to the limit. Um, so riding around those guys and making sure you always s- remind each other of why you do what you're doing to make smart decisions pretty much got me through. Okay. Because um, the rehab process is terrible for whatever injury. Anytime you get a surgery and you just want to play football, right. it's mm-hmm. tough. That's probably the, the most mental toughness I've had to show was those who rehab process more so the first one and the second one because the first one there's so much uncertainty it's like because you hear so many people say oh ACL injury ended my career or I never ran the same and you're and you then you question yourself like can I do it Mm -hmm. you know is it possible for me so it's just kind of staying focused and remembering you know that you're here for a reason you do what you do for a reason and it all is going to play out well at some point that's sweet so your senior year you or actually, no, your junior year, sorry, you had a kickoff return for a touchdown and then mm-hmm. a punt return the next game. Yeah. Um, both great achievements. 
Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, the first thing comes up when you search Marcus Jones, Minnesota Gophers on Google. But um, I guess that leads me into my next question. What was, uh, what's, like, your favorite memory of football? Wow. Um, of football in general or football at the University of Minnesota? I want to, let's start with Minnesota, and then I, I, I want to pick your brain on just, because you've, you're accomplished now and done with football. <laughs> I just want to know what your favorite, like, memory wow. is. It has to be. The funny thing is my favorite memory is that I didn't play in either one of these games. Uh, 2011 Iowa game. Beat Iowa at home. Um, that was crazy. That was the first time I played for Florida Rosedale. Um, it was cold. Very cold. <laughs> um, and it just felt good to beat Iowa. You, not being from the Midwest, you're like, why should I hate Iowa? But you don't realize <laughs> it until game week and you see the Facebook posts and the tweets yeah. and the newspaper clipping and you're like, they said what? So it just, you just learn to hate them. So that was, that was the first. And in 2014, when my teammates went to um, Ann Arbor and beat Michigan in the big house. Oh, that's, that's sweet. Yeah. Um, and I got to sit there and watch it on TV. And I've never been so excited to watch a football game in my that's life. That's awesome. Um, they destroyed Michigan that day, and it just made me so happy. Side note, what's, what was your favorite stadium to play in? Wow. Um, I know these are really good questions. My first college game... Like, first game I actually played and started in was USC. Oh! Oh! Um, so, that at was USC. like, at USC. So, that was like, oh, my God. I mean, you're walking through this tunnel, and you see Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner and OJ, and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, this is, this is what college football is about. Yeah, college um, Probably my favorite in the Big Ten would have to be um, Memorial at Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay. That's probably the craziest... Um, high-intensity stadium I've been in. Wisconsin gets crazy. Michigan is big. I've never been to Penn State, which I always wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. But Nebraska, the energy when we went to Nebraska and played in Nebraska is just crazy. Just crazy. It feels like everybody's right on top of you, too. Yeah. So, Wait, so who was that uh, Michigan out of the Mount Rushmore of really bad Michigan coaches? Uh, Rich Rod or Brady Hoke? Which one was there? Brady the Hoke was there. Classic was there. Brady Hoke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, uh, so your favorite memory was just straight up not even playing football. Yeah, I mean, um, it's just those achievements. You know? No, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, I mean, here more team oriented. Yeah, that for this past season, um, I wasn't on the travel roster. We played Concordia Moorhead up in Moorhead, mm-hmm. and it was Jordan. Um, a few of the other guys that didn't make a travel roster. We were all sitting in, up here watching that game on the live stream, and hitting that game-winning uh, Nick on the corner from Fenske, we were going absolutely insane. I, again, I, like, I couldn't be more happier in being a part of the team and just knowing that, like, you put in the work, that helped, your team succeeded, all of that. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable. I remember that, too. That's, yeah. That's actually, I remember just watching on my phone, like, going nuts and being like, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> um, so what about, like, your favorite game? Or maybe, or your best game? That, uh, not Maybe not a record, but... What in your mind? Wow, um, that's tough. I would say that UNLV game in 2013. That was like my first game moving the corner. Okay. Um, and so in addition to the kick return for a touchdown, um, I had a couple tackles. Um, pass breakup. I remember vividly some running back broke and was gonna go for like 70, and I like walked him down from the other side of the field and caught him at like the eight. So that was pretty cool. Um, so I think that's the game that was probably my best all-around game. Um, offense, the games weren't as fun. I don't know if it's because we weren't as good or the people I played were just that much better than me. Okay. Um, but I think about, like, the 2011 Nebraska defense with, like, Levante David and Compton and 
<laughs> Denard, and it was like, man, I had to block Levante David. He just crushed me. <laughs> <laughs> so those games just weren't as fun to me. But um, the defensive side of the ball, I just loved all those games. Okay, that's awesome. I want to touch on um, your transition from East Coast living, North Carolina, yep. to Midwest. Well, um, when you came here originally, did you have any like preconceived notions that stood true or something that maybe like – well, I actually really do like the Midwest or something like that. I didn't have any preconceived notions necessarily about the Midwest. Um, to that point, Northern Illinois was my first time getting on a plane and going somewhere. Like, okay. Previously, I just traveled the East Coast and my family would just drive everywhere. Mm-hmm. So Chicago was pretty cool. Experiencing decap as well um, was different because it's like, wow, they got cornfields out here. But it was just different. Minnesota, however, whole another ball game. The question I got the most was, from people back home is where's Minnesota I was like I don't know <laughs> I have no idea where Minnesota is but I'm going there this weekend um no so way. so that was the first thing uh that most people don't know where Minnesota is and generally they just say is that by Canada um mm-hmm. I hadn't known I just say yeah um but it when was... I got here that weekend snow was about it was the same winter in fact so this December of going into the winter that the uh Metrodome collapse bubble collapsed yeah wow so it was one of the worst winters. Yeah. Um, and I got here, and I lied to you not, the snow is about waist high. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> but <laughs> but I like Coach Killing Up to be here. So yeah. that's what it was. So I didn't have any really notions, but the weather has just been brutal. That's the one thing that's like breaks my heart every mm. time November starts to roll around because I know I'm going to be looking at snow all the way through April. Mm-hmm. I think my first spring ball, we had our spring game was on like the third Saturday of the month. It snowed that Thursday while we were at TCF Bank Stadium. <laughs> and I was like, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> this this sucks. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's great. Any desires to go anywhere else? Maybe like West Coast? Or you've been happy so far with um, now that you're living up here and not just playing football, but you have your uh, fiance or your girlfriend and uh, your kid? Yeah, so for me, it's like this is home now. You know, mm-hmm. um, like the only other time I feel this comfortable is when I'm in North Carolina. Okay. And I lived there for 17 years. So it's kind of hard to, to compare the two. But even when I went to uh, Boise, Idaho, and I was at Boise State, it was just different, you know. Um, so um, I've never really been to Cali as far as vacations. But just being at Boise, I mean, we traveled to Oregon. We traveled to New Mexico. And it was like I would never want to live in any of these places. Mm-hmm. But I've never been to Cali, so it's hard to say. Okay. Um, but I've even when we went to USC, I didn't have any like big needs to want to move there. Like if I go anywhere, it's probably gonna be back southeast. Sure. Okay. Right on. Um, so just a shout out of a can here. Uh, coming out of coming out of high school, you were uh, five seven, hundred and fifty pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, well, just a quick question: Would you ever? Would you if you were just you if you were one inch shorter? You could have been a jockey, so that could have been. That's one thing to say. But uh, how how was it like in the recruiting process with that? Um, just being, you know, a shorter, smaller guy. How did were you evaluated differently because of that? Or I was, a, yeah. Um, it's terrible um, because in, the reality of it is, you play guys who are highly recruited. You know, you play a Keith Marshall, who went to the University of Georgia. Mm-hmm. You play a Nigel King, who was a really good receiver at the time in the area. You play guys that are literally in the ESPN Top 300, and you beat them. And you dominate them, and they're receivers. And it's like, I killed this kid in the other week. Um, we just beat him 4 0 and I had two picks. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get it. Um, but essentially what happens is, I mean, you hear every excuse in the book. I've heard my arms are too short. 
I've heard um, corner just isn't my natural position. I've heard literally every excuse. And what it does is it just creates a chip on your shoulder. And um, because I was so frustrated, I just became a more physical player. Um, like I wanted to just destroy anybody and everything that ever came on my side of the field. Um, and I think ultimately it ended up helping me. Like I needed to hear excuses for why I shouldn't be playing to make me a better player, if that makes sense. I think if my recruiting process was easier, I wouldn't have been as good as a player. Okay. And then uh, going off that, you know, when you first showed up, um, you wanted to be a mechanical engineer. Mm-hmm. How'd that go? Um, well, I learned two things. Um, calculus sucks. <laughs> and um, it just didn't work well with our schedule. Because uh, what I learned is not knowing anything about college, um, the labs and stuff were mostly during practice times. So it was like, if you want to play and we want you to start, it's not really going to work out. Like, you're, it's one of them. You're going to have to sacrifice on one end or the other. Um, and the fact of the matter is, if I wanted to be an engineer, I probably would have been in school probably still now. Just because I didn't, I wasn't like an AP guy in high school. I had good grades, great grades, but mm-hmm. I just didn't want to challenge myself. So it put me behind. So I came in, I would have had to take pre-calc one, pre-calc two, calculus, and then I'd finally be on track. <laughs> Calc one, two, three, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so I just would have been way behind. Yeah. So I just made the decision to go with what I wanted to do best. So um, me and my advisor just sat down, um, went through everything, and was like, you know what, let's just go with kinesiology. Yeah. So okay. So you that was so it was basically right off the bat where you just kind of showed yeah. up and you're like, oh, well, yeah, maybe not engineering. And I mean, I still took so that first semester was pretty much all electives. They counted for something, right. um, but they were all electives. That summer I took pre-calc. I got like an A or B. Like, it wasn't bad. Okay. Pre-calc 2 in the fall, though, I walk in, and I'm not sure where the professor was from, um, but I want to say he was from India, and I could not understand a word he said. And when I looked around the classroom, everybody else seemed to understand. <laughs> so after about a week of that, I was like, yeah, that's not for me. Can't do this. <laughs> like, I just, I just can't. Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah. so, um, even I tried it just to catch up in the calcs to see if it was possible, but after that, I was like, yeah, it's not gonna work out. <laughs> I'm, I'm an engineer, not to, bury, not to brag or anything, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> when there's a learning and language barrier, it makes it a lot tougher. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Totally. I get that. And Lorch is also an engineer. People forget that as well. So, yeah. a couple engineers. There's something to think about. Yep. <laughs> um, so you did mention Boise State. Yes. Um, any stories about? I know they got like an incredible like atmosphere, of, like team at mm-hmm. Boise State. Uh, any great stories? You were there for one year. Yeah. Um, Just under a year. Under like, Peterson. You know, like nine months. No. So this was under current coach, uh, Coach okay. Brian Harson. Okay. Um, this was his past year. Um, so it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. I've never seen people more passionate about a football team. Um, like I really believe the football team is the heart of Boise. Um, and fortunately enough for me that one of those games we had was the 30th anniversary of the blue field. Oh, cool. Um, so like I kind of got a reeducation of like some of the most special moments in Boise football history, um, for all the way from the Statue of Liberty to even before that. So it was pretty cool. And actually the strength coach I worked for played at Boise State. Um, and he was a GA for... Coach Hartman at Hamlin okay. here at the University of Minnesota. Oh, he was Years at Hamlin ago. before he came to, before he went to Boise? No, the, uh, no. Oh, the, okay. So yeah, the guy that's at Hamlin now, Coach Hartman, was at the University of Minnesota. Oh, gotcha. And the coach at Boise State 
GA'd for him years ago. This is the nineties. Gotcha. Um, so me and him always had that connection of being Minnesota guys. Um, but he was really passionate. Like, I mean, he born and raised in Idaho, played at Boise. His son was also on the team. So it was like you've never met people so intense about Boise football. Like, I mean, they can recall any special moment about Boise football history. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what made it cool for me. Um, because being in Minnesota, there's not many true Gopher fans. Like, people may like the T-Wolves. They'll come to the Gopher games, but they're not diehard. Like, they, yep. they, like if push came to shove, they'd rather go see somebody else play most days. <laughs> Especially early, like 2011, 2012, when we weren't that good. Mm-hmm. But I think if Boise went 1-10 right now, they probably almost still have not far from a full house every game next yep. year. Just because that's that's what there is to do. Like, that's their professional football, more right. or less. Yes. Yeah. Not much else to do in Idaho anyways. Yeah, potatoes. Potatoes. Farm. Yeah. Farm. A lot of farmers. A lot mm-hmm. of potatoes. That blue field, though, that's something unique. It is. Smurf yeah. turf. It is. Smurf turf. Interesting. <laughs> All right, so transitioning now uh, from your past life to your current life, mm-hmm. uh, you are now a strength coach and corners coach at USD mm-hmm. and father as well. Yep. You've always been father, but... Um, how's that been, first of all? How's that experience, you know, just kind of being a part of, like, a culture that's not necessarily Division One, and, you know what I'm saying, like, in Division Three now, I guess? It's, uh, um, it's still a transition. Um, because I think most coaches who played football ha- can still match their experience to their athletes, and I'm not in that situation. My experience is, is very different from my athletes, from football and academics. Um, because, one, everybody's so much smarter than me. Like, literally, most of the time, I feel like the dumbest guy in the room, which is a good thing. <laughs> Pushes um, you a little bit. But it's different. Um, so that is a challenge, in addition to just the structure of Division Three football. Um, I think the culture St. Thomas has is probably one of, probably the strongest culture I've been in at the college level easily um but just the structure of how strength and conditioning works and how far strength and conditioning is as a field in d3 in comparison to d1 is so far behind that it's kind of almost like i have to reinvent a wheel Mm -hmm. in the best way to make things work right because everything i've been taught is well in the in the in the context of working year-round well now where you let's put fall and spring together kind of you you create the summer program but you're not there to physically implement it mm-hmm. right. and in my mind that's such a big difference from what I'm used to yep. because though that's usually that the spring and the summer is a time where the gains connect you know and you see most of the gains going into the season and it's just uncomfortable being away yeah it's oh, I get that seeing like you can't physically see if the players are actually adapting to these lifts and growing from them so you know that now I can transition to these lifts and start mm-hmm. building muscle versus with the, this type of way they, you can come into the summer and this person might not touch the weight the whole time, but you're expected to start this heavy load weightlifting program because they had already had this much experience. You have no idea. So I totally understand that. Yeah. And the environment between, like you said, between D1 and D3 is completely different too. Mm-hmm. Just from, just like a, to, to the complete base level. I mean, it, when you're D1, I mean, you're training all the time yeah. and it, there's no mm-hmm. breaks, like you said. It's just, that's interesting. It's totally different. I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I know what you're saying with just, Reinventing the wheel. <laughs> it's just, it is. You, know where, you don't know where to go. All right. And the other thing is to add to that, it's not like there's a lot of D3 coaches in the literature. You know what I'm saying? Most of our, most of 
what we get in the strength conditioning field as practitioners, um, we get some of the research, but not all of the research is practical. So we have to feed off of other practitioners who do the same thing we do. You know, so we look at uh, we look at Coach Doyle at Iowa, or we look at guys at Alabama, and we we kind of feed off what they do to kind of understand and gauge where we are as a team and where we could be, um, what resources we have available to us, what mm-hmm. we don't, and you don't see that a lot in D three. Like I don't know of a D three coach that has a book or you know that has a podcast or that does anything. So well, speaking when, of a book. Uh, Stu Bourne, your coworker, is coming out with the book, and uh, we wanted to let get your uh, opinion on that. Oh wow! Impinged. I didn't know that. Yeah, impinged by Stu Bourne. I did not know that. Yeah, it's alleged. <laughs> we don't know if it's for sure or not, but I feel like he's working on something. Yeah, with the crazy stuff that Stu's having us do nowadays, we made the assumption that he's making a book. <laughs> Um, called and pinched Stu has a unique perspective Mm -hmm. uh, he's one of the few guys really in the country who's had the opportunity to be on both sides of college athletics and athletic training and strength conditioning Um, and that insight is very different because the two fields look at everything differently and not to mention within those fields how differently people look at certain things you know, we can all look at the same problem, and three strength coaches will say three different things, and three athletic trainers will say three different things. But the athletic trainers will probably have a very similar concept, and the strength coaches will have a similar concept. Mm-hmm. But when you have both, I think, I don't know if the knowledge is superior, but you definitely have a more holistic perspective. Okay. Kind of bridges the gap a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been been good working with Coach too, like the – Initially having like a strength and conditioning coach reaching across all the sports, and mm-hmm. then you're coming in for football. So I wasn't sure right away that maybe it was like oh, this guy's coming here to take my what I've been doing for the past falls. Mm-hmm. Um, but that transition's been good. He's welcomed you. Open yeah, arms. it's been really good. Yeah. Um, Stu's been very helpful. Um, not so much as even in teams because what I try to do is I try to leverage his strengths um, to still help and utilize what we do. Um, and I think that has been a big benefit to us because, uh, again, I don't have the experience he has. So I, I want to leverage it while we still have him as a resource. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been good. Um, also in the fact that I can bounce somebody to bounce off ideas off of. It's not like I have assistants or interns Correct. that mm-hmm. have uh, similar or more experience than I have. So uh, most of the ideas I have that haven't come from someone else. Uh, I question whether it's really the best for the team, whether it's the best for the athletes. And ultimately, my job is to pick what's best for them. So if I'm not sure, I'll say, Stu, what do you think about this? And well, it'll end up being an in-depth conversation. Um, and that's probably been the most helpful because he, he doesn't, he's not scared to share his perspective. Um, and, and I appreciate that about him because it helps me grow and see things the way he sees it and understands it from a more holistic perspective as well. Cool. Sweet. So uh, we know your father and we're proud of you. It's great stuff. However, we have some advice for you. And we know your daughter, what's your daughter's name? Maya. Maya. We know mm-hmm. Maya's grown up. She's five now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's getting to that time. And so, you know, Andrew and I, it's kind of, it's just be a rapid fire thing. You can give your comments. Yeah. Um, we got a few, a few things, just a few statements about, uh, of advice. Yeah, just... So to start, um, baseball. This one, I wrote this one. Let me what deliver this one. Yeah, yeah. Deliver. So you're we'll you're sitting back. at your uh, your daughter's sporting event. Yeah. And um, you got the amateur refs. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's softball, um, soccer, soccer, and they they're just they're being really inconsistent and they're not. It's just not going your way. 
I, I just giving advice as a father, you got to get kicked out of one of your daughter's little league games. Just make a statement how passionate you are. Just send a message. That's my advice. And she's gonna feed off that too, yeah. and she's gonna see like my dad really cares about me mm-hmm. that I'm not offsides and I did score a goal. Yep. Or you know something like that. Um, another one for you. Uh, sign your daughter up for tackle football. Uh, what better way to experience football as a dad than watching your daughter play <laughs> as a running back is at in third grade? Yes. Um, life is hard. Another great piece of advice is don't get your kids what they want for Christmas because... Or Easter. Easter is always a cheap one that everyone thinks they're getting gifts. Don't give that either. Maybe some candy. Probably not candy, actually. I'm taking that back now. Yeah. Um, Valentine's Day is another one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. No no presents. Yeah. And then right off that, again, life is hard. Throw your kids into the deep end. Sink or swim. That's how to learn. <laughs> Fight or flight. Right away. Yeah. I'm not sure if she's trained to swim yet, but uh, yeah, and just that throw also her in. and that saves a lot of money on uh, swimming lessons. So uh-huh. that's a big, uh, um, you know, trap parent trap. There is, uh, hey, your kid needs to learn how to swim. Um, let's pay hundred dollars a class and have your kid learn the freestyle. Absolutely not. Just throw them in. Yeah. See what happens. You know, it's just I natural. Ask, <laughs> ask yourself this: How do you teach a dog how to swim? Just drop them in there and let them die. <laughs> exactly. So that's another good one. Uh, another one I got for you. Uh, you know, like we said, they might be joining sports soon. Whatever that may be, at the end of the season, they always get a nice trophy. Go ahead and uh, sell that for money or uh, pawn, it, off. pawn it at least. Um, yeah, or just melt it into some sort of uh, or Necklace? Yeah, make it, get rid of it. Get rid of it. <laughs> 100%, so you can't, absolutely, there's just none of that. So that's our uh, advice. As well. I like that advice. The yeah. first piece of advice made me think of kicking and screaming. Like if I were the coach yes. and I just lost there it on go. someone, <laughs> um, I could actually see that happening, <laughs> okay. um, which is why I've already opted out of all coaching opportunities with mm. my daughter. Okay. okay. Um, she's already has this beat on the swimming. She is in swimming lessons. So oh, okay. She's probably a better swimmer than me at this point. Sure. Um, and I do like the tackle football idea. I'm scared though. Her mom's a triple jumper, and if uh, mm. was a triple jumper at the U of M as well, and if she develops faster than boys, she may embarrass a lot of people. That's until. the whole point. <laughs> yeah. So that may be that may turn out to be really interesting. She could happen. be a definitely. A, she could work well on a jet sweep scheme in mm-hmm. third grade tackle football. No doubt so. about it. Yep. No doubt um, about it. Absolutely. Well, uh, for from our advice, uh, do you have any advice as a father to us? Who are not potential potential fathers. fathers. Yes. Wow. Um, wrap it up. Okay. For sure. Sure. <laughs> Certainly. Um, <laughs> but once you get that, uh, just make sure, just be patient. You know, that's my, probably my biggest issue. I'm so used to dealing with college athletes and people who can be fully responsible for everything they do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough going home to uh four and a half year old and it's like why'd you leave this cookie on the table <laughs> and she's like huh i'm like why'd you leave the cookie on the table like it so it, it's a change of mode so you just gotta for me it's about patience so that's the same advice your people skills you. yeah my people skills there man. you go i'm too intense sometimes i think that's why i got in the strength conditioning <laughs> <laughs> that's love perfect it. i love that um, um we gotta ask we ask uh, some of our guests this we have an nba outsider We've talked it a few times. Hot debate, LeBron or MJ? Wow. wow. The platform I, is yours. I hate this debate. Yeah, me too. And I will tell you why. Valid, but I hate it. Okay. To me, LeBron is more comparable to Magic Johnson based on his skill set, his ability to see the court, 
his size and the fact that he's a mismatch at most positions, but he can play anywhere from one through five. So when I look at LeBron, I see Magic. Granted, I think he's a much better scorer than what Magic is, at least now. Um, and when I think of Jordan, I think um, Kobe are better comparisons um, because of the way Kobe kind of framed his game around what Jordan did and then elevated it by being more of a pure shooter. Um, so if I had to make an NBA 2K17 team and I had to draft either LeBron or Jordan, I think I'd draft LeBron. Okay. Just based on the idea of he can also score as well as Jordan did, but he's a much better passer than what Jordan is was. So I think um, ultimately he has the potential to make your team a lot better mm-hmm. than what Jordan did. Okay, I always respect opinions more of people that are ten years older than us because we all we debate this, but none of us have really seen Michael Jordan play. Mm-hmm. And I'm from Chicago, so I defend Michael. Even yeah. though I've never blindly, blindly <laughs> off, off of YouTube highlights, um, and I'll defend him till I die. Yeah, but uh, you're a realist. It's yeah, okay. exactly. It's um, respectable. Yep. Here's another hot debate um, that's been going around: uh, LeBron or MJ, uh, if they were to play football. I think you have to pick LeBron. Yeah, I think LeBron Six, is the eight. closest thing you can almost get to Julius Peppers. Mm-hmm. That's um, a great point. To and he can probably play more positions besides the end, but mm-hmm. I would just like to see him at the end, just because. Be <laughs> just because of the size. Um, I did defense. see. I saw an article that had the audacity to compare Tim Tebow to Michael Jordan in baseball the other day. I did see that too, and it almost made me puke. Oh, it was brutal. My uh, buddy plays. Um, he plays on the Asheville Taurus. If you're familiar mm-hmm. with that team, um, they're in North okay, Carolina, yeah. and he made the all-star game with Tim Tebow, and he said Tim Tebow sucked, and Terrible. I don't know why he is. Terrible. Yeah. Is that some insider information? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. He, it, they showed a stat, like, Tim Tebow has more uh, home runs than MJ. It's like, well, <laughs> Jim, Tim Tebow also has a body of the Greek god. Yeah. So, we'll give he's him got Jesus on his side, too. <laughs> we'll give him that. Um, Should we, uh, we're at getting up there in minutes. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, I have one more. Uh, so we do a uh, bad podcasting segment. Um, we just wanted to talk to you about one of your many passions, uh, your shoes. Yep. Um, so what kind of shoes you got on today? Oh, today is just simple. You know, Nike Lunar Tempos. Okay. Got to be comfortable when you're training for eight hours a day. A podcast. Yep. Eight hours a day and a podcast. Yep. What's, wow. your, uh, what's your go-to shoe nowadays? Wow. My go-to shoe. Oh, man. Um, that's tough. Out of all the shoes in my closet, my favorite shoes, regardless of color, are my Jordan 6s. Um, to me, they're the most comfortable and stylish. Um, close runner-up would have to be my Jordan 12s, Taxis. Mm, so, very relatable. Um, <laughs> got a lot of... I haven't been buying shoes as much. I'm trying to become a minimalist. Okay. Respectable. Okay. So I haven't bought shoes since I bought a pair of Jordans a while ago. Okay. That was my question. Are you like one of those crazy people at the outside the Jordan store who like wait there and it's like a fl- No, it's not worth not that. Trying to get to the shoe to the shoes and Yeah, it's not worth um investing too much time in the sneakers app. Nike has an app now where you can just order them on like the app instead of going to the store and mm-hmm. they'll come to you like a week later. Um I probably bought more Jordans then that way. 
Because even in undergrad, I wasn't waking up early to go wait in line for some shoes. Like, that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I'd go to the store, like, two days later to see if they still had any. Um, but it's easier now. So every so often, or when I'm not following my budget, I just delete the app so I can't even see what's coming out. <laughs> there you go. That's smart. <laughs> I don't have to worry about it. There yep. you go. That's smart. I like that. Another life hack there for fathers. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I had another question. Um, oh, what's your most expensive pair of shoes that you have? Um, I paid 220 bucks. For uh, the Jordan 11s, the 72 and 10s that were like commemorating the 72 and 10 right. Bulls team uh, that came out two Christmases ago. Okay, okay. That's probably the most I spent on a shoe. Um, close runner up would be the uh, the rookies, Penny Hardaways. Um, I bought those like when I was an undergrad, they were like 200 on the head. So it's nice being in Minnesota so you don't got to deal with tax. It's pretty, Sa- I mean, yeah, that's for pretty, sales tax. Yeah. It's pretty reasonable, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. I'm reasonably broke, so I'm trying to say <laughs> reasonable <laughs> <laughs> with the shoes. Awesome. I love that. All right. So we'll go ahead and finish up the interview how we uh, typically do. We got two questions a mm-hmm. uh, famous person that you've met and experienced, um, and then what do you, have you learned today? Oh, my famous person. Um, I had the privilege of interning uh, with uh, Bill Welly. Um, here in University Minnesota for summer NFL offseason training. So I got to meet Larry Fitzgerald, not just meet him, but like spend a whole month or and a half training him. Um, so you had Larry Fitzgerald, Kyle Rudolph, Dwayne Bow. Um, so you like um, Cecil Shorts III. Like you had some pretty good football players um, to mess around with and train. So that was probably the most famous people that I've encountered on several times at once. Okay. Who's your, like your fa- who's your favorite person you ever trained or like the hardest worker, someone that you like really stuck out to you? Wow, um, Larry probably stuck out to me the most because of his attention to detail was so precise. Mm-hmm. Like um, he needed to to really understand the concept to do it. Like some athletes, you tell them to do it and they'll do it, but they're not really paying attention to how their body's moving. Um, how they're decelerating, where their foot placement is, and he's probably the most intense person I've met in that fashion, and he's so serious about training. Like, to him, he understands that's why he's played in the NFL so long. Yes. It's because he trains and does everything the right way. So his expectation of everybody else there, I mean, there was a few guys that played with the Cardinals who were, like, rookies, that would have been rookies that year, and he was just on them all the time because they weren't understanding, like, how important it was, the little things. Um, so for me, that was like really eye opening. It's, it's not because they're just better athletes; it's because they under, their understanding of what they do sometimes is so much better, and that's why they're in the NFL over other athletes. That's awesome. I like that. And then the final question: Anything that you've learned today from the time that you've got out of bed to yeah. right now podcasting? Oh yeah. Um, so I try to my goal for the summer is to read like a book a week. So the book I started yesterday was Body by Science. Um, it basically breaks down training into all physiological perspective. Um, so the book talked about how there wasn't a um, defined definition or defined term for health, exercise, and fitness. Like they weren't clear definitions for them. So they kind of came up with their own definitions. And I'm going to mess this up and paraphrase it. 
but essentially health is like about biological balance between catabolic and anabolic processes, like breaking the body down and building the body up. Mm-hmm. So our overall health determined, is determined by how those two processes work in, work in a whole. Okay. Um, fitness was about um, our body being able to overcome any challenges above a resting threshold. Ooh. So um, that can mean a bunch of different things, but essentially anything that's above whatever our resting level is that challenges us, that is, determines how fit we are. And then exercise is not just whatever you do to work out. It's things that elicit a positive physiological adaptation. So you can run 10 miles, but if it didn't elicit a positive physiological expectation, it wasn't exercise. Mm. Um, So understanding then through exercise that just because you increase fitness, you don't necessarily increase health. Okay. Okay. Increasing fitness could have adverse effects on health, depending on how you did it. Um, and then the author went on to talk about marathons and how running, he doesn't consider ultra endurance running exercise because the adverse effects on your body are so intense, um, that it it can't be good for you. Like nothing is positive physiologically about it. It's really good to hear from a guy who doesn't want to run a marathon. Yeah. So very, very good. So I'm always trying to learn something, but that was, that was the, that's by far the most knowledgeable like thing yeah. that someone has said when we asked them that question. Yeah, that was the best answer we ever got. So for thank that. you for that. Oh, no problem. Yeah. Usually they just compliment us and say our podcast is good, but we like that way more. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So that concludes our time. Thank you so much, Coach right. Johnson. Appreciate thank you, fellas. Yep. Fantastic interview. That was a, it was an honor to interview our coach, um, new coach. Haven't he, We haven't had him for a season, but he's our off-season strength and conditioning coach. So Player... A player's coach, too. Absolutely. Also, and uh, very knowledgeable, if any of you guys picked up on that, like, as much as we did. Um, we always ask, as most of you guys know, we ask the question, what did you learn today, to our guests every time. And Coach Jones gave the most thoughtful and knowledgeable answer, I think, that we've had in the history of our podcast. It's raised the bar for future interviews. Yeah, and we're going to hold this that standard going forward. So Absolutely. thank you, Coach Jones. So... In honor of the ESPYs that just happened, uh, we're a little late on this, but better late than never. Uh, we're going to talk about some average things that happened in the 2016 sports year. That you might have missed or forgotten. So it's kind of moments or things that happened that uh, that we're basically going to say and you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that. And, you know, they're not necessarily great and they're not necessarily known all too well, but mm-hmm. they did happen. So let's get after it. Yeah, what do you got first? Uh, so I'm going to talk about like average uh finishes in a season Hmm. so in the nba season this year the portland trailblazers went 41 and 41 eighth seed sounds pretty average and they got swept in the playoffs by the golden state warriors yep and then put up a good fight to go off more average in nba the bulls also went 41 and 41 Hmm. eighth seed wow on in the east in the east wow got swept by the Cavs. and got some okay and then the heat wait wait no they didn't they got swept. They but, they oh, were they up, actually they were up two zero on yeah. the Celtics and like as much like I don't even think any Celtic hit the panic button at all because they're like it's the Bulls, correct? Star packs. So they choked. Yeah. Uh, Heat went forty one and forty one. Didn't make the playoffs. Oh okay. In the NHL, uh, no teams finished five hundred. Fun fact for you. Wow. Don't ever sleep on the uh, the <laughs> NHL for finishing five hundred. <laughs> nuts <laughs> nuts don't forget about that please uh the kansas city royals finished 81 and 81 wow 
That's a lot of games. That's 162. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's insane. Um, and then the Patriots, no, in the NFL, the Colts and the Ravens finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Mm. And so did the Vikings. So did the, the hometown Vikings. What did the Broncos go? Broncos were like 9-7. Nine 9-7, and nine seven. And seven? yeah. But let's not forget about the Vikings. They started 5-0. and up. Oh, ouch. Yep. So what would that be? 3-8 uh, and eight in your last 11? So uh, there's little tidbits for you if you forgot. Okay. Um, so going off the football, uh, if anyone remembers the LSU-Auburn game, um, probably the pinpoint in or the uh, breaking climax in uh, Les Miles' LSU career, um, Auburn had six field goals, totaling of 18 points, and LSU had the game-winning touchdown um, to win the game except they didn't get the ball off, snap off in time, and lost the game, 18-16. to 16. That was almost comical. Yeah, so that was a really good average moment that most of you probably forgot. Um, another thing, um, I think this was uh, a little bit after, I think this was about a year ago today, maybe, allegedly, uh, Rockies played the Cubs, The we didn't know at the time, but the World Series defending, or the World Series champs, um, Rockies beat the Cubs on a walk-off uh, bad throw, that, and they won. They so, won on that, yeah. Yeah, like 9-8, to eight, Congrats. I think. Yeah. Something you might have forgotten in a 162-game season. Yeah. But it's definitely... Uh, One out of the 162 games. And I know all of our listeners list, uh, watch every Rockies and Cubs game, too. So yep. no way you guys could have missed that. Or after. forgot about it. Uh-uh. Yeah. Um, another thing, this is uh, not sports. Uh, Meryl Streep. She got nominated for another Oscar, and I'm pretty sure she won it, right? Oh, uh, maybe. You know, well, Meryl Streep, side note, uh, one thing that I really don't like is how Colin Cowherd always, like, he always gives these ridiculous reasons for people, and he, like, calls Meryl Streep, like, the greatest of all time because she's, like, won an Oscar or been nominated for an Oscar, like, for 40 years straight. 40 years. She's yeah. impressive, though. That's pretty good. I mean, Meryl Streep is impressive, but she's yeah. not, like, the greatest of all time when... It, I don't know. I don't really know how Oscars work and how they pick, but I feel like they're just like good friends with Meryl Streep, and it's like they're they're the kind of people that like they Meryl Streep babysits their kids or like you know weird stuff like that. I yeah. don't know. That's just my Meryl Streep side. No, I I actually have no idea anything about Meryl Streep. Yeah, you don't. That's okay. you know nothing. Yeah, that's fine. She was in Deer Hunter. Well, Deer Hunter is a good movie. Is it? Yeah, I'll have to watch that. Uh, here's something that you may have forgotten that was also wildly average. Uh, Kiko Alonso finished 19th in tackles at 115 in the oh, season. Mm, ooh. Uh, another one. Uh, remember the NBA contracts from last year? Yep. Uh, Al Faroka Minu got $30 million for four years. Who? Al Faroka Minu. Oh. Yeah. So. Oh, the guy for the Pistons. Yeah. The Clippers, I think. Oh, the Clippers. The Clippers are the The Bucks. The Bucks. Of course. Alfred Kamikaninu. Alfaro Kaminu. Oh, Alfred. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Any other stats? That's shocking, and I, um, that rounds rounds up all my... Okay. Um, Another one. Uh, Tim Tebow is playing baseball. Hmm. That was last year, right? He's, I mean, he's still playing now, but he was playing... Like, he started playing last year. Mets signed him right then and there. I think so. Hmm. Hmm. 
Really weird, though. Awkward. Hmm. Well, uh, any others? Um, Mark Ingram finished 19th as well, uh, but in a different category. Ooh, what category? Rushing touchdowns. Wow. 19th, huh? He had six. <laughs> six whole touchdowns. Yep. So we can do six podcasts in a row, and for each one of those, Mark Ingram scored. That's that's an honor. What a <laughs> what quinky dink. What a <laughs> That is something, huh? A little, little charm or token yeah. for you guys. Um, another one. Uh, wow, we're still going on this. Yep. Um, I forgot. Let's conclude this segment. Let's, however, I love this segment, and yeah. we're going to have to get back after this next week. Maybe we do something like the whole year of just random activities. Or, or just wildly average pop moments. Culture. Pop, pop culture, you know, maybe get a little more into the Meryl Streep. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Meryl Streep did two movies and we didn't know about it. We'll do some more research. <clears throat> Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I, was, I love that. So let's finish this podcast because that segment might have dragged. I'm, I apologize to our listeners if it if it did. I don't think it did, but it might have to you. I think it's a great quick hitting segment. Yep. Like, even though we really slowly hit it, so that's okay. All right. So uh, trapping the puck and finishing this podcast with what did you learn and a feel good story because we're positive guys and we end on a positive note. Uh, first off, let's talk about what we learned, Deck. Uh huh. So uh, great one. A little life hack for all you guys that I that uh, I learned is uh, on Spotify. Uh, most I assume most people have Spotify. There's a crossfade setting that you can use, and if you go to like your home page under your library and hit the little gear on the top, and then go under playback, you can go to crossfade, and you can s- scroll and decide how many seconds you want your the end of your the song you're listening to to crossfade into the next song. And it kind of like makes your whole music experience like so much better cuz it just there's no transition, it's just like your own little DJ. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Absolute game changer in the Spotify world, music industry. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for the tidbit. Thanks. Uh mine carries right off that miraculously. Uh sticking with the music. Oh, wow. uh, I I watched a four-part documentary the Defiant Ones on HBO with uh, Dr. Dre and his business partner and later ventures, Jimmy Iovine. And uh, I learned a lot about Jimmy Iovine um, and also about the music business. Producers play an, an extraordinary role in helping with artists getting their sound correct, which I didn't like fully understand that process. And Jimmy Iovine was the one who took U2, Bono, um, Gwen Stefani, Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen, John Lennon, um, 50 Cent, Tupac. Uh, the list is it goes on and on, but he took all those artists to the next le- next level, and this documentary like just expands on it. It was insane. I loved all four parts. Wow. I'll have to watch that. That would mm-hmm. be sick. Um, also, well, I mean, for producers, you got to remember, like, who is Macklemore without Ryan Lewis? Ryan Lewis is the producer. So true, dude. Yeah, so just thought I'd throw that out there. Producers do matter. Oh, I know, but sometimes you just don't fully appreciate it as much as you like should. A, like, people are, well, yeah, like, I don't think people appreciate it. They don't recognize it, but then even sometimes artists don't recognize that either. And producers make more money than the artists themselves now. Like, Calvin Harris, he produces, like, all kinds of songs. He just came up with a new album that literally really doesn't have anything to do with him, but it's just he signs on all these different people. Yeah, I guess they, it's all in the contract because... yeah. The artists probably do make. It's it's a rough thing to say that the producers always make more than the artists. Right, right. But I know what you're getting at. So yeah. Don't 
don't sleep on these producers because they're all over the place. Like this guy had so many different genres of Me- pro- music producing. Yeah. He was doing like Marilyn, Marilyn Manson. No way. And uh, Tupac at the same time, and everyone was like, "This is insane!" Because these are the two most like socially impactful music industry like groups. Yeah, because of they're just like total change the culture right. of everything. Oh yeah, I agree. All right, so let's go ahead and finish with uh, our feel good story. As always, um, what what is our feel good story? Um, Frick, what was our feel good story? Do we have one? Um, yes, we did have one. Uh, oh, it was the uh, yeah. So I went and saw. Oh wait, no, no, I did not go. I did go see a movie, but. The feel-good story is, uh, not to brag, but I have a girlfriend, um, and I took her home back to Denver, which is where I'm from, and my parents and my family, I have four younger siblings, and they all loved her, and we had a blast, and they really liked her. She was accepted. She was accepted into the Brown Legacy, officially, so, well, not officially. Congratulations. Unofficially, but. Congratulations to her. And, yeah, to her, and, you know, to the whole positive atmosphere and you know it was you know, a little nerves going in you know as always you get a little butterflies but you know everything worked out uh we welcomed her with open arms she loved it and uh with that being said we welcome all our listeners with open arms we love you guys yeah absolutely just give me a big burr hug polar bears baby bt we love you too take care take care